Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. praise and glory, when we worship him, when we say how much we love him, and we're not, a wor- we're not ashamed of what the world thinks. Don't you know our Father in heaven loves that when his children praise him? Amen. We're going to go before the Lord in our declaration here, and as we make our declaration, I want you to remember, keep praying for Israel. They're in a, 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 a Israel's not just in a battle for the land of Israel. Israel's in a battle of good versus evil, civilization versus demons. Remember those women and men and children that are still hostages there. That's why we wear these to keep it in front of everyone. And keep in prayer at the end of this month, the government of Israel has asked me to host a meeting of leaders in Washington, D.C. at the Israeli embassy. And uh, if you're watching, you're here, and you're a spiritual leader or a business leader, Jew or Gentile, and you would like to come, security is very high, so we have to get names in now. We're limited to how many we can bring. But I believe the best is yet to come. Can I have an amen? I believe the best. Somebody tell Tiz to be quiet over there. <laughs> Let's take this before the Lord. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It never changes. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I boldly declare that I will be what it says I should be. I will have what it says I should have. And I will say what it says I should say. And I will live how it says I should live. This is the day the Lord has made. Today I receive the miracle power of God through healing finances, deliverance, family, and forgiveness. I will stand and pray for a biblical nation. I will stand and pray for the nation of Israel. I will stand and pray for all nations. And I declare that we are one nation under God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you believe that, give the Lord a great big shout of praise. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Happy New Year. Let me give you a prophecy as you turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 11. And that prophecy is, this next year is going to be your best year so far. It's good. And I'm not just saying that. It's going to be a year of revival. I believe that because Israel is fighting this physical slash spiritual battle. I believe it's going to bring peace to the Middle East. I believe it's separating the sheep from the goats in the church who will stand for God and stand for the nation of Israel. And I believe 100% the father of all blessings is Genesis 12. I will bless those who bless Israel. So this is a year that your family's going to get saved. This is a year of signs, wonders, and miracles. This is a year of the wealth of the wicked getting put in the hands of the righteous. This is your year. Somebody say amen. 
So in that, I really felt the Lord leading me to teach something that every one of us knows, but to maybe look at it in a little bit of a different way. Uh, I had you turn to Luke, but let me just say for the sake of time, because I want to minister to people at the end, so I want to go through it a little bit quicker. The Bible says here that Jesus is walking with his disciples, and the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray like John taught his disciples. Now, I said this last week, and so I'm going to reiterate this just to lead us into today's, is that this is a very Jewish thing for the disciples to go to their rabbi and say, Rabbi, teach us how you pray. But look at it as Jesus. They've seen Jesus open blind eyes. They've seen Jesus bring uh, uh, gold coins out of fish's mouths. They've seen miracles take place like never before. They didn't say to Jesus, teach us to pray. Because these are Jews. They prayed. But they said, teach us how you pray. Because when you pray, miracles take place. Now, once again, this is a very Jewish thing. And if you look at the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, it really is a copy of Jewish prayer. It's called Kaddish or Amidah. And it, it has a certain foundation to it that when we learn this, it really opens up the kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that Christians have always said is we're not to pray in vain repetition. In other words, we're not just to say words. But in reality, you know, one of the things I asked you last week is to start a New Year's resolution. And that New Year's resolution is before you do anything, in the morning when you get up, start, just start with five minutes of prayer. Just take five minutes of prayer. And a good pattern to do that is to say these words, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But you're not just saying words when you say it, you're understanding the revelation behind these words. Now, let me repeat a little bit what we said last week because this is so important. The Bible says that there is life and death in the power of your tongue. Every time you speak, you are creating. We're made in the image of God. Now, this is this. If you would just grab this one thing, it would change your life forever. You and I are made in the image of God. What does that mean? That means when God created the world, He spoke that world into existence. When you speak, you are creating your destiny. There is life and there is death in the power of your tongue. The Bible says, put a guard on your mouth. Watch what you say. If you, if you think about when the spies came in to spy out the land, they all went in, they saw the land. Some of them actually crossed into the land. Some of them brought back fruit from the land. But 10 of the spies came back and said, you won't believe how big this enemy is. We are grasshoppers in our own sight, and therefore we are in their sight. And God says, 
as truly as I live. Now, I want you to listen to that. There's not a more true statement in all the word of God than God lives. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. There's none before him. There's none after him. And he says, as true as I am, that which you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Now, I've used this illustration so many times it gets old, but let's say something happens, they shut down where you're working. You can come home and say, honey, I lost my job. They shut the business down. I don't think we'll be able to make our house payment. As truly as I live, that which you just spoke, you just created. Or you come back like Joshua and Caleb and said, yeah, we saw how big the giant is. We saw how big the problem is. But greater is he that's in me than anything that's coming against me. Honey, we're going to get, God's got a better job. I'm going to be making more money than I've ever made before. As truly as I am alive. You know, it, 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 just, it just makes me want to scream when I hear people speaking how big the enemy is and how little our God is. This is why when they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, say our Father. We're going to get into that. But then he said, praise his name. Now, when you get up in the morning, you know, and forgive me for reiterating this, and you've heard it too many times. Before your feet hit the ground, before you begin your physical journey, we say, Modea Ni. Father, I give you praise. Before you ever begin, before you make the coffee, before you put the toast in, before you turn on the bad news, start with the good news and praise him for what he's going to do for you this day. Amen? We talked about this last week. We enter into his courts. We enter into his gates with praise and thanksgiving. Just think they're coming to the temple, and here's where the power of God is going to be released, and God said we enter into that. We don't come through those gates by going, oh, my gosh, can you believe this? I can't believe. No, you enter in by going, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. And just a side note, I threw this in last week. Going into the temple or going into the tabernacle and then the temple, there were 13 gates. Why 13 gates? 12 were for the 12 tribes. Each tribe had their own gate. Why the 13th gate? Because in the last days, the eyes of the Gentiles are going to be opened, and there's a gate just for you and I to walk into the Holy of Holies and receive the miracle power of God. Amen? So we enter in, we start our day. We don't begin our prayer by complaining. We begin our prayer by praising God, by worshiping God, by giving God all the praise and all the glory. You know, in the Hebrew prayer, Kaddish, it says we magnify and we sanctify God's great name. So this is exactly what Jesus is telling us to do. It's a pattern for our prayer. He said, I want you to magnify. I want you to praise. I want you to glorify the name of God 
and he begins it by saying, when you pray, say, our Father. Now, I want you to think about the names of our Father. The Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's our banner. He's our victory. He's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He's El Shaddai. He's Almighty God. Now, why is that important? Now, listen to me. This is not just a, uh, some Christian thing. Why is that important? Well, you're about to talk to God about your marriage. You're about to talk about, to God about your health. You're about to talk to God about your finances. You're about to talk to God about your children. And so instead of going in and just saying, God, I got this problem, I got that, you begin to praise his name. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are the God who heals me. You are, listen to this, you are almighty God. Not some mighty God, not a little mighty God, not sometimes mighty God. You are almighty God. You are my victory. And so you enter into that, you begin that with praise and thanksgiving. Now watch this. Why is that so important? Why is that so crucial? Well, in Matthew 9, 29, you know, yesterday at the prayer um, uh, uh, school that we had yesterday, we talked about uh, the woman who touched the hem, the, the corner of Jesus' talit, and Jairus saw that, and they came to Jairus and said, don't bother the rabbi, your daughter's already dead. But Jairus just saw a miracle from this woman who had this issue for 12 years and saw the miracle. Jesus walks into the room where Jairus' daughter is and everybody's weeping and crying. And Jesus says these words, talking about the power of the tongue. Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And the Bible says, the people around there laughed at him. And so he ran them out. As a matter of fact, I, I, I taught this yesterday and I'll just throw this in. He wouldn't even let all the disciples come in. Because we're not talking about, all right, let's pray for a new job. We're not talking about, let's pray for uh, uh, something small. We're talking about somebody who's dead that needs to come alive. And so Jesus gives us a great example. He says, you guys stay outside. You're not at this level yet. And so let me throw that in. Watch who you get to agree with you. I, you know, when, when, when we face something in our family, we don't go to everybody about it. We go to those who say, you know what? She's not just dead. I mean, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And you got to run those out because the Bible says if any two agree on anything. So you come to somebody and you go, you know what? I just found out this. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened to me too. I lost everything. You don't want that person agreeing with you. You want the person to say, you know what? I had that happen to me, and it was like a miracle, like God bringing a gold coin out of a fish's mouth. And you know what? My God is no respecter of persons. If God will do that for me, he's going to do that for you. Let's come in agreement. So just because somebody has a Bible or sits in a pew doesn't mean we want them to come in agreement with us. Right? 
Now, right after this little girl is resurrected from the dead, Jesus is leaving, and two blind men come up to him and say, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus looks at these. How many know Jesus knows everything? He knows knows everything. He looks at them, and he says, what do you want? Because he wants them to ask just like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus. Everybody's going, be quiet. Don't bother the rabbi. Blind Bartimaeus says, this is my chance. Jesus. Jesus stops. That's what I love about prayer. He'll stop and he'll say, bring him to me. And he says to Bartimaeus, what do you want? See, he wants us to ask him. We have not because it's so simple, isn't it? So these two blind men come, and he said, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. We want you. We heard what you did for Jairus' daughter. We want to see. What did Jesus say? Do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I can do this? And they said, we believe. And he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. See, your faith, your faith is your Holy Ghost muscle. And unfortunately, too many Christians look like Pee Wee Herman rather than Arnold Schwarzenegger. According to your faith. Now watch this. I'm telling you something that will change your life. We enter in to his gates. We enter into his decisions by praise and thanksgiving. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who heals. Lord, I thank you for healing lion. I thank you for healing tis. Lord, I thank you that you're the God that brings a gold coin out of a fish's mouth and you're gonna meet every one of our needs. Lord, I thank you for the new job. I thank you that this year my family's gonna get saved. My kids are gonna start serving God. I thank you, Lord, that there's gonna be miracles in the house. You enter in to what he already is through praise and thanksgiving. But watch this. Watch this. Why does God say to say it? Because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. That literally means an inner ear hearing. You ever watch a singer and they're trying to harmonize with someone and they put their finger in their ear so they can hear themselves? So when they hear themselves, they can harmonize with the other voice. When you enter into what God is by praising him before you ever see it, by thanking him before you ever feel it, you are harmonizing with what God has already said about you and you enter in to what he's already done for you through praise and thanksgiving. Somebody ought to shout amen. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Nissi. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He is the great I am, and he is that, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all we have to do is begin to praise him, and we enter into everything he is. Amen? Now watch the next part. And this is where some of you are going to get upset, and I don't care. (laughs) He says, when you pray, say, our Father, right? Now, they came to Jesus, and they said, Lord, when you pray, miracles happen. 
teach us how to pray. We want to see miracles in our lives. So he says, okay, are you paying attention? I'm going to show you how to do this. You ready? We got it. Okay. When you pray, say, Father. Okay, go ahead and try it. Lord Jesus. No, stop, stop. You know, years ago, I went and got my concealed weapon permit. And we went to the range, and it was myself and two girls and another guy, and we're getting the permit to carry a weapon. So in case you ever try to hijack my car, I'm loaded to the teeth. (laughs) So we're at the range, and the guy goes through this class, and he takes us, and he takes us there, and he said, all right, walk up, and there are targets in front of us, and he, he, he stops, uh, all right, we start doing it. He goes, stop, 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 put your guns down, put your weapons down, back off. And he says to this guy next to me, sir, you're putting the bullets in backwards. <laughs> and, and I think that, that's what God has to think every time we, most Christians pray. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, okay, are you, are you paying attention? Listen to what I'm saying. You want to learn how to pray and see miracles? Yeah. When you pray, say, Father. All right, go ahead. Lord Jesus, no, step back. You're putting the bullets in backwards. (laughs) But that's what most Christians do. They say, Jesus, help us, Jesus. And Jesus said, it's finished. I've already done this. When Jesus died on the cross, what happened at the Holy of Holies? The veil, the curtain was rent from top to bottom. And that's significant. It wasn't rent from man. It was rent from God. Why? So that you and I can go boldly before the throne of God. Now, we can't go there except Jesus paid the price to do that. But Jesus is not on the throne. See, this is where where people go, it's heresy. Do you know there's over 100 scriptures in the Bible, New and Old Testament, talking about the Messiah sitting at the right hand of the Father? When Jesus died on the cross, the entry to the throne of God was open for all mankind. And that's why Jesus said, go boldly, before the throne of God. If you were to read, and I won't take time to read it, read John 16. Jesus says, from that day, from that day, I will not go to the Father for you. You go to the Father. You go before the throne of God. He's on the right hand making intercession for us. He's the door. No man goes to the Father, to the throne room, except through him being the door. But don't stop at the door. Keep on going to receive everything that Jesus paid for in full that we can go boldly before the throne of our Father. That's what Jesus is saying. When you pray, say, Father. You know, I learned that. And I know everybody knows we teach the Jewish roots of Christianity. But I learned that when we were pastoring in Portland years, years before I ever started studying the Jewish roots. One of the patriarchs of the Foursquare organization, 
came and spoke to us. He's a brilliant scholar. He's with the Lord many years now. And we're sitting in, the, in, in my office before we come out, and he's going to teach. And he says, do you know why Christians don't get their prayers answered? And I said, no, sir, why? He goes, they pray to Jesus. And inside my heart, I went, uh-oh. <laughs> he's gone crazy on me. He said, Jesus has already paid the price so that we can go before the throne of God. He's making intercession. You have, picture God, picture God being the judge of your life. He's sitting uh, on the throne. He's sitting on the judge's chair. Jesus is on his right hand. The devil is over here accusing the brethren. Said, you know what? They don't deserve to prosper. They don't deserve a new job. They don't deserve to have a house. They don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. And Jesus is over here going, oh, yes, they do. Because my blood paid the price for that. And these are my children. And they are adopted into his family. They have the right. You know, when the devil says, you don't, you don't deserve. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You, don't deserve. you know what? We do deserve that. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. He paid that price in full, and now the access to the Father. I don't ask Jesus to be our healer. I praise him for being our healer. I don't ask Jesus to be Jehovah Jireh. I praise him that he's Jehovah Jireh. I don't ask Jesus to be my victory. I praise him for being my victory, and I enter in to what he already is. You know, when the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. A day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Everything that God is going to do for you has already been done. Let me say that again. Everything God is going to do for you and your family has already been done. All we have to do is praise him for it and we enter into that through that praise and thanksgiving. He said, when you pray, say our Father. You know, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Nissi. He is El Shaddai. He is all those things. But you know what he says to you and I? Just call me dad. You know what? I, I, don't, I, don't, know, I don't know this to be a fact, but I would think that when President Trump was President Trump and his kids came to see him, they didn't say, Mr. President, I'm sure they said, Dad, to everybody else, he's Mr. President. And God willing, he will be Mr. President once again, God willing. I can't, I can't tell you who to vote for, but if you're a Christian, God willing. So we look at, we look at God on the throne. We look at this almighty, awesome God, and he says, I want you to call me Dad. Because it's your father's good pleasure. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought the greatest example of how God is, is found in Luke 15. Turn with me there just for a moment. I know it's really hard for people in church nowadays to open their Bible, but... I was going to paraphrase it, but I thought, this is, this is too important. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. In Christianity, we call it the story of the prodigal son. But if you really read the contents of this, it's not about 
the son as being the central figure, it's the father. Now, some of the translations start like this in verse 11. And then he said, a certain man had two sons. But I love the other translations when it says a father had two sons. Now, look at this story. He said, then a certain father had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me this portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. Now, here's the story of a rebellious son. And he goes to his father and he says, you know what? I thank you for all you've done for me, but I wanna, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing. He was un, an unappreciative son. And not many days after, the young, younger son gathered together and journeyed to the far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And we can look at this as somebody who knew the Lord and somebody who walked away and wasted it. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. In other words, he's starting to reap what he sowed, right? You're going to go out and live for the devil? The devil's going to make you pay. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to, to feed the pigs. Now, here's a good Jewish boy. He's not only walked away from God or a Christian, but he's joined himself to someone who's not serving God. And we see this in that he's gone so low, now he's feeding pigs, right? And he would gladly have... I can't read. I've written on my Bible so much. He would gladly what? Filled his stomach with pods that the swine ate, but, and no one gave him anything. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm eating the garbage of the world. But when he came to himself, when he woke up, and see, I believe that's what's going to happen around the world. I believe there's a great awakening. Get ready. Let's get, let's, let's get everybody's. Let's start witnessing to people, telling people, sharing with people. But when he came to himself, I love this. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair and I perish with hunger? See, th there's a tremendous insight in this. When he comes to his senses and he says, how many servants in my father's house? My father is such a good guy. He makes sure the servants have more than enough. Our father is not El Goodbye. Our father is El Shaddai. He is almighty God. See, and when we come to our senses, we understand this. And yet I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, I want you to notice how many times he says, my father, my father, my father. And he says, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This is what he's saying to himself. I'm going to do this. Make me like one of your hired servants. Um, I, you know, I blew it, Lord. I blew it. Just, you know, just punish me. But that's not the way our God works. And I know Christians, are, you know, I know about the book, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Can I tell you something biblically? I hate that book. 
Because I would rather talk about sinners in the hands of a loving God. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, look at this scenario. The father's been, the son's been rebellious. He said, I'm leaving. I don't care what you've done. I hate you. I'm going away. And so he's gone. This has been several years. He spent all that he inherited. He's now in trouble. There's warrants out for his arrest. I'm not going to move in the gifts right now. Can anybody relate to this? And I'm sure all the good Christian people around him are going, have you heard about your son? You know, I heard he's doing drugs. You hear about your daughter? I heard she's knocked up. I heard she's pregnant. I heard she's sleeping with some guy. I heard this. I heard that. But the father's not listening. Because I see him standing on his porch And when the son says, I'm going to go back to my father, the Bible says he's doing this. And he sees him coming from a long way away. He doesn't wait till he's back in church. He doesn't wait till he's back in the synagogue. He doesn't wait till he's on his knees praying because that father is looking for somebody he can bless. That father is looking for somebody he can love. That's his child. That's not some drug addict. That's not some pregnant daughter. That's not some jailbird. That is his son. That is his daughter. And he's saying, I don't care what you say. He's coming back. She's coming back. I know they're coming back. And the Bible says he sees him when the son is still far off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? No, 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 no. God will judge him. God will smite him. God will give him what he deserves. I don't know about you, but I thank God God doesn't give me what I deserve. I thank God God gives me what Jesus paid for by his love and by his blood. Somebody ought to shout amen. The Bible says he sees him while he's a long way off. He's starting to feel it. He's making it. And the Bible says his father jumps off the porch. He doesn't sit there going, well, let him come to me. Let him, let him, let him be broken. Let him be bruised. Let him be weeping. The Bible says the father jumps off the porch and he runs to him. And that's what our God does. Listen, when I first got saved, I was sticking needles in my arm 10, 12 dimes a day, but I was feeling something that something's missing out of my life. I didn't know about God. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I started looking. And the moment I started looking, God came running for me. God set it up. God brought me all the way from Missouri to Flagstaff, Arizona, because our father loves us beyond anything we can imagine. And he sees his son coming a long way off and he runs out to meet him. As fathers, we need to be like that. Look what it says here. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off when he's still 
smoking, when he's still drinking, when he's still cussing, when he's still hanging around with those you ought to be hanging around to, but he was starting to make his way back. His father saw him and had compassion and ran. Oh, come on, y'all aren't ready for this, are you? He ran to him. You know, when I first came to church and I had no shoes on and no shirt on and earrings hanging out of my ears and needle marks up and down my arms, nobody in that church came up and even said hi to me. But my father came running to me and he said, I see the needles, I see the drugs, I see the sin, but I love you. And I was making my way in. Look what it says. It says he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father ran to him. The father threw his arms. This young man smelled like pigs. This young man smelled like, have you ever been around? I, when I was a hippie, I lived on a pig farm. In the woods, I bet there's nothing that smells worse than a pig. They are disgusting. And some of you still eat them. Some of them put them on our sandwich. We had prayer lunch there, then Tiz comes in and says, Look at this. And our sandwich, we opened up, it was pig on our sandwich. <laughs> I know, but it's funny anyway. So imagine, imagine this young man. Here's his father. His father's a rich man. His father's a powerful man. Our father is almighty God where angels bow before him, throw their crowns before him. But when he sees us coming to our senses, he'll jump off the throne and he'll run to us even though we smell like sin and even though we smell like the world and even though we smell like dope and even though we smell like cussing and even though we smell like the rest of the world, he'll throw his holy arms around us and kiss us and let us know we're loved and welcome. This is why we say Father. Look what it says. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but, the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring out the fatted calf, bring it here and kill it and let us eat and rejoice for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found, and they began to make merry. I want you to listen to what he's saying here. He said he throws, he, he comes running to his son. His son still smells like the world. He throws his arms around him. He kisses him on the cheek, a sign of love and affection and acceptance in, the, in, the, in royalty. And his son says, Dad, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy to be your son. Dad didn't even pay attention. 
He didn't even, he said, well, I understand. You know, you smell like, no. He said, I'm not worthy. Dad didn't even pay attention. He turns to the rest of them and said, get the fatted calf. Bring it here. Not some skinny little goat. Not some skinny little sheep. Bring the fatted calf. Bring the best out. Put my royal robes on his shoulder. Put the family ring back on his finger. Well, why would you do that? He still smells like the world because my son was dead, but he is alive now. My son was lost, but he is found. It wasn't when he proved himself. It's when he started making that move that the father come running out to him. Listen to me. When the devil says to you, you know what? God won't have anything to do with you. You know what? You've done this and you've done that. And he reminds you of your past. You need to remind him of his future. That our heavenly father has redeemed us, has broken every curse on us, has bring every blessing and freedom to us. And devil, it's not me that's defeated. It's you that's defeated because I am back in my father's house. Somebody ought to shout amen. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. It's not an accident that Jesus starts it off by saying, praise the names of your father, of your father. But he doesn't say, my father, your father. He says, our father. Our father. He's my father. He's Tiz's father. He's Luke's father. He's Nancy's father. He's Troy's father. He's Lauren's father. He's John's father. He's your father, which means we're a family. Which means we're a family. And... Every person out there needs to be reached and touched with that same love. But here's what I want to close with. Some of us have a hard time relating to God being our father. And the reason is, is that some of us maybe didn't have that kind of father figure that we can relate to. I'm just tell you a story. When I first got saved, I remember when I first got saved, you know, I, I was a drug addict. I was a hippie. And every evangelist would come through and say, you're going to preach the gospel around the world. I had hair down to here and needle marks in my arms. And you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I remember my pastor after several months saying to me, he said, Larry, you got to learn to let God love you. And you have to learn to let people love you. When I was about seven years old, eight years old, I walked in. I was, you know, I'm from inner city, South St. Louis. And I walked in the house. And our house, Scotty's been there. If you, our house was 800 square feet. And there was uh, three boys, one girl, mom and dad in 800 square feet. That includes the basement. And I can remember walking in the side door. The, our kitchen was literally, it was literally about this big, isn't it? I mean, it's it it unbelievable. And I remember my dad 
I walked in the door, my dad was here, and I heard him on the phone. There was a home for boys. And I heard my dad on the phone trying to give me away. And I heard him say, I've got one son already. I've got a daughter. I can't handle this. I don't want this one. And trying to give me away. He didn't know I was there. And I remember walking in my room, freaked out. I was seven, eight years old. My dad is trying to give me away, trying to talk them into coming and getting me. And I remember I started to cry, but then I grabbed myself and I said, no one will ever make me cry again. I don't need anybody. I don't want anybody. No one will ever make me cry again. And when I got saved, my pastor said, you've got to learn to let God love you. And I couldn't comprehend the fatherhood of God. My dad, and my dad, in the end, in the end of his life, he got saved. He gave his life to the Lord. He, it, was a, it was a miracle from God. I mean, it was a miracle. I believed Russia would get saved before my dad did. But my dad got saved, and so I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing him. But I had a hard time relating. And I remember that when Anna was born, we went to the hospital, and Anna was born. Now, you, you, you got to understand that I, I'm not from the most stable, stable background. And I'm walking out of the hospital. I get in my car, and I'm driving home. Anna and Tiz are in the hospital. And I get in my car, and I go, I'm a father. Oh, my God, I'm a father. I better grow up. <laughs> and I realized... I didn't have, and it's nothing against my dad or nothing against your dad. I didn't have an example of what that was. And so I started going to the Bible. And you know what I found out? No matter who your dad was, he is the father to the fatherless. He is the husband to the widows. And he is long-suffering. And he is never cruel and he's slow to anger, and he's quick to forgive, and he's merciful, and he's, he's generous, and he's kind, and he's loving. You know, when, 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 I, was, when I was a kid, and uh, we lived in the inner city, the snow cone, you ever remember the snow cone men that came through? Snow cones were a dime, and the snow cone person came through every two weeks, and we all played ball in the streets and stick ball and stuff. And when the snow cone came through, all the kids would run up and they'd get a, a dime snow cone. We had to come in because my dad says, said, you're not worth a dime. And I don't blame him. He, he, you know, he's, he, he didn't know the Lord. But can I tell you something? You're worth more than a dime. You're worthy to the Father that he sent the very best thing he could send, and that was Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior and pay the price for your sin. And all we have to do is realize when we're praying and the devil shouts in your ear, you're not worthy. I know what you did. I know what you Number one, we have Jesus saying it's paid for in full. It's paid for in full. Come on, somebody needs to help me here. It's paid for in full. And we say, Father, and we realize our Father is merciful. Our Father is long-suffering. You know, you figure when the Father came to the Son, he didn't scold him. 
He didn't yell at him. He didn't bring up his past. He didn't say, you smell like a pig. Look what you've done. You've wasted your living. You spent everything I get you. You threw it all away. No, he says, bring the fatted calf. Let's make merry. Put the robe back on his shoulders. Put the ring on his finger. He could have said, you know what? You spent your inheritance. You're going to have to just go there. No, he said, put the ring on his finger. He's back in the will. That's the father that we serve. So when we pray and we praise him that he is almighty God, he is he is the God of victory. He's the God of miracles. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of forgiveness. He's the God of healing. He's the God who brings gold coins out of fish's mouth. He's the God who brings water out of a rock. He's the God who stands before Pharaoh and says, let my people go. He's the God when we're, it looks like we're going under. We're not going under. We're going over. When it looks like we're failing, he says, no, you're more than a conqueror. He's the God who says, when you are in my family, I am one who is making sure you're covered with divine blessing of heaven. And so when we go before the throne of God and we say, Father, I want you to understand that God's father, God's fatherhood is beyond anything we can imagine. You could take the best father that ever walked the face of the earth. Thank you, kids. And that father would be evil compared to how wonderful our heavenly father is. Can I have an amen? amen? Would you stand with me all over the building? We're gonna pray here in just a moment, but I wanna tell you a story that I've told so many times over the years. In my life, I have had two visions and both of them became true. In one vision, Tiz and I were pastoring in Australia and I was praying and I had a vision and I saw God in the last days pouring out his favor on people. I mean, it was incredible. Miracles and finances and homes and families and gifts of the spirit. I, I mean, I saw this, I saw this just as a flood of God's blessing and goodness on his people. And I remember I was so overwhelmed, and this is when I was still battling with the goodness of God. Because I was taught when I got saved that God's a hard, he's, he'll get you, he'll strike you down, he'll knock you down. Can I tell you something? God's not the one that knocks us down, but he is the one that when we're in the ditch, he reaches down and pulls us up. That's our God. And I know a lot of religious people have heard, oh, he's an angry God, he's a mean God, he's a, he's a, a this God and that God. And so I'm seeing this and I'm, I, I, this is, this is the, the breakthrough I've been waiting for, I need it. And so I see all the things that God is doing. And folks, I'm gonna tell you, this year's gonna be amazing. I see all the things God's doing. He's, he's flooding. How many people here are parents? How many of your parents? Have you ever given your child something they didn't need? Now, you know, I don't say this, you know, for, for the most part for Christmas, we got socks and underwear. We got stuff that was needed. 
thank God for aunts and uncles that gave us some toys, but we basically got stuff we needed. But how many, you know, when you give your child something it doesn't need, you know, we were, you know, Lion, my, my, my baby grandson, uh, we watched uh, Polar Express. Is that what it's called? Polar, Polar Express. You ever watch that for Christmas? You ought to watch it. It's prophetic. Um, and so he kept saying for Christmas, he wants the Polar Express train. He wants the Polar Express train. And so they had Christmas over their house and then everybody comes to our house. And Anna, my daughter says to Lion, Lion, what did you get for Christmas? He goes, I didn't get the train. <laughs> I don't know what I got, but I'll tell you what I didn't get. And of course, Saba and Nana gave him the train for Christmas. I shared that to say, when we gave him that train or when mom and dad give that gift and they get excited, it makes us feel better than them, right? You ever give your child something that didn't need a BB gun? Every bird in the neighborhood knows that child did not need that BB gun. But it makes you feel good to do it. It is our Father's good pleasure. What makes God happy is that you believe He wants to do for you good measure, press down, shake, and oh, come on, somebody help. Have we lost Pentecost here? So I have this vision. I see God flooding us with all this goodness, and I'm still in. God's a mean God. That's what I was taught. God will break you. We were actually taught God will break you before he ever uses you. That's not my God. Now, I, we believe that for 15 years. God will break you. Oh, that, that's happening because, because God's teaching you a lesson. That's like you sticking your finger, your, your child's finger in the, in, the, in the fire to teach it not to play with fire. If we did to our children what most Christians think God does to us, we'd be arrested for child abuse. So I see this and I said, God, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna be a part of seeing this blessing on your children. What do I do? And this is the truth. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to pack up my family again, go start a, a, a church in Papua New Guinea in the jungle because you gotta suffer. You gotta suffer for God to do anything for you. So I'm saying, I said, God, what do you, how can I be a part of this? And I'm thinking, do I have to pack up my family again for the sixth time and go somewhere else and start all over again? I said, God, tell me what I need to do. You know what he told me? He said, I want you to tell the world I'm a good God. I want you to tell the world I'm a good God. He said, I'm not a hard taskmaster. And I'm telling you, when you pray, when you go and, and you're, you're going to pray, you know, when we prayed for lion's healing, Tiz's healing, we prayed, the first thing the devil says is you're not worthy. And I said, devil, this ain't my first rodeo. I am worthy. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done and his blood makes us worthy. Can I have an amen? Would you give the Lord a clap offering?
You know, when, when I was going, and he's Jehovah Jireh, that's when the Hammond show, we, we, I should have moved you up here. This guy is the one of the best Hammond players in the world, and I need to use him more. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around just for a moment. You're here right now, and you say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I'm the prodigal son. I'm the, I'm, 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 I'm the one who's... I'm, I'm still far off, but I'm ready to come back to my father's house. Or maybe you've never been to the father's house. But you say, you know what? I understand that God is for me, not against me. He's a good God. If you want to give your life or rededicate your life to the Lord all over this building, I want you to lift your hand up and hold it there just for a moment so I can see it. And you say, Father, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Just keep it up the whole time. I see that hand, 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 that hand. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I see, I see that hand, God bless. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. That hand, 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 that hand. Give these people a great big clap offering. Now, we're going to pray for you in just a moment. But I want to, I want to, I told Tiz on the way here, I'm going to stop at 11 o'clock. And Tiz said, yeah, right. But if you look at the other part of the prodigal son, it's the son who stayed home. I could teach another hour on this, but it's the son who stayed home. He's still plowing the fields. He's still saying the prayers. He's still doing this. But when he sees his father having a party for the son that came home and said, Dad, I'm coming to my senses. The son stood out. He wouldn't go into the party. And he looks in the window and he says, I've been serving God. I've been doing this. And you never threw me a party. And what did the father say? And this is to most of us. He said, son, all that I've ever had has always been yours. You just never asked it. So I'm going to ask you today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Larry, you know what? I've had a hard time relating to God as my father because of my earthly father. Maybe you've had a hard time relating to God as your wonderful father because of what religion has taught you. And as we ask those who raise their hand for salvation to come, how many of you need a breakthrough in the fatherhood of God? Let me see your hands. How many need a breakthrough? Say, I, I, I need to just start understanding how much my father loves me. As we begin to sing and worship God, I'd like everyone who raised their hand for salvation or who needs a breakthrough in the goodness of God our Father to come out of your seat and join Tiz and I and our people down here. Give them a big hand as they come. Come on, whether your salvation, let's sing. Whether your salvation, whether you need that breakthrough in the fatherhood of God, you come, amen. Come in towards the middle here, gang. Come in towards the middle. Come on. 
Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. Come on in, come on in, come on in. All right, hold it. All right, now li- li- hold on one second. Listen, listen to me. Come on down here. I bathe in everything for today. Put deodorant on and everything. You can get close. It's always funny. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to get near the pastor. I don't know what that is. We're going to pray a prayer, and we're going to pray this for all of us and all of you that are watching around the world. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation. And the thing that I love about God, and I've said this for years and years, the thing about coming to God is a come-as-you-are party. The sun still smelled like pig. The sun still was a far way off, but he made that journey, and the Father ran to meet him. So you come to God as you are, And as you sit in church and as you get fellowship with other Christians and as you hang around with children of God, you'll begin to change and God will begin to replace these things with kingdom things and bring that blessing into your life. But the other part of that is that I want all of us to understand and we'll never fully understand how much God loves us. There's a saying that is almost become numb to our ears because it said so much but there's nothing you can do to make God love you less and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more he just is love now he'll let us go and hang with the swine if we want and starve with the world but the moment we come back he runs to meet us and he gives us full family membership. What a wonderful God we serve. Our best is yet to come. Amen. So let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Let's say this out loud. Say it with me out loud. Say, Father, I come before you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much you sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now, look at me right now. Say this with me, all of us, all of you watching around the world, say this with me. God is almighty. He is the healer. He is the provider. He's the miracle worker. He's slow to anger, quick to forgive. And God is my dad. And our dad can whip their dad every time. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a clap offering and say amen. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, you have to, one of the things you need to do is when we do a baptismal, you need to get baptized because baptismal breaks the curses, the limitations on this world. We'll explain to that to you down the line. But you need to be in church because now that you're the family of God, you learn the combination to the safe. You're in the house. Now you got to learn through his word how to get to the good stuff. And let me tell you, 
it's a great time to give your life to the Lord and give your life back to the Lord because the good stuff this year is going to be gooder than we can even imagine. How many ready for some gooder stuff in your life? And it means everything. It means your home, it means your family, it means your job, it means your finances, it means your health, it means everything. This next year is gonna be an amazing year. You got something to say? You gonna sing a song? Solo? <laughs> the singing ministry. No, I was just wanting you actually to pray a prayer over those that have issues with their father because I can just see maybe there's some undone business here. Okay. And I think that you know, we need that point of contact where you just let it go. You let it go. We focus in on that and that you pray and honestly break okay. that curse. You, you know, um, one of the parts of prayer actually includes that. And it says, forgive us our trespasses. How many of you have ever sinned? Those that didn't raise your hand, you just did. Because <laughs> lions a sin. Now, how many have ever sinned? How many want God to forgive you that sin? How many have ever had someone sin against you? In order for God to forgive us, we have to forgive them. Amen? You know, when my, my, my dad, and, and uh, God bless his memory, but before he met Christ, he is a mean guy. He was just a mean guy, just, just mean. And uh, I can remember when he was fading and I went to St. Louis and he was in the veterans hospital and uh, he was in a kind of a coma thing for several days. And uh, this nurse came up to me and she said, you're, you're the pastor? And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, uh, can I ask you something? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, my mom was she said her mom was not a pleasant person and was kind of in the same situation that your dad is and we had witnessed to her and told her about the lord and she prayed but she never really changed it was just days before she went and she said she was in a coma and she's laying there and we're all around her and we're praying for her and stuff and all of a sudden she sits up in bed she goes look at that light Look at that light. And they said, Mom, Mom, what light? She goes, oh, it's a golden road. I want, I want to follow that light. And they go, yeah, by all means, Mom. Follow that road. Follow that light. She goes, oh, it's wonderful. And laid down and went. And one of the things when my dad was in this coma i said can he hear and she said we're not sure if they can hear but i believe that he could hear yeah. and i said dad it's okay yeah. we love you it's all under the blood of jesus yeah. go ahead and go and i was by myself and he went When you forgive someone, yeah. it frees you. It does, absolutely. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Yeah. I'm just saying, get rid of those chains. Now we're gonna we're gonna teach on this, and there's a there's some tremendous things 
in this understanding. But let's bow our head and let's let, let me just lead you in prayer and you just pray in your heart. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can come before your throne. And we know your throne is a throne of might and power. But we know it's a throne of mercy and grace. And Father, we ask you to allow us to walk in that grace right now. And Father, as we have to ask you more times than we would like to, to forgive us. We forgive those who have hurt us. We know the scars are physical. We know the scars are emotional. We know the scars are spiritual. But Father, we understand we battle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities. And so Father, I ask you right now to forgive me for holding on to the past. I let it go. I forgive and I move to my destiny. In the mighty name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Father, I claim freedom from the past to be released into the future. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Do you receive that? Amen, 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 amen. No, I just, on a different note, I just want to invite all of our ladies out Thursday night. Because wasn't this an incredible, wonderful service? And don't you just feel God doing something new and fresh for the new year? This is a new year, and we want to launch new things in your life, new levels of dominion, authority, and blessings. So do me a favor. Come out Thursday night, 7 o'clock. I'm launching this year's Ladies' Night Out. And I'm speaking, and I'm going to be praying over everyone that walks through those doors. So please, come out, do yourself a favor, and take a night off with God. Amen? Amen. Love you. And let me encourage you, ladies. One of the worst teachings in church is God doesn't use women. That is such a false concept. You think about Shabbat. May our sons be like Ephraim and Manasseh. May our daughters be like Rebecca, Sarah, Rachel, and Leah double the blessing that's why most of the foundation of the kingdom of god is built on the spirituality of women so women no matter what the church world says your best is yet to come god needs you to build this kingdom we love you god bless god bless everybody around the world